everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of Cartel Conversations, the podcast of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel. I am your host, Tom Conboy, and joining me tonight on Skype is fellow co-host Ian Holmes. How are you doing this evening, Ian? Happy New Year. And a happy new year to you too, my friend. Uh, yep, I'm doing pretty good right now, Tom. Uh, course, I'll be sad tomorrow, of course, because, well, as you know, it's it's Twelfth Night. So I'll have to stop running my Polar Express train under the tree, you know. Um, I have had to start work on the spring issue of the dispatch already because I've been absolutely inundated with layout articles since the Christmas issue went live. You know, the spring issue will feature everything from T scale to 16 millimeter scale. So uh, it promises to be even bigger than the winter issue. I mean, do you think you can handle all that proofreading? Well, you know, it wasn't too bad for the Christmas one. The Christmas one was going to be bigger, but uh, actually it went pretty quick. And so uh, we'll see what you can throw at us in the spring for our proofreading. So, and by the way, nice work on the Christmas edition. I want to say, especially to those who contributed content, as I know you like to say, uh, it's really the contributors that help. But, you're, you know, you being the editor and you the one who pastes it up and puts it together, you do a nice presentation with that. And, of course, it, it helps when you have good content from mm-hmm. contributors. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to put that together, especially the Christmassy, wintry stuff. I mean, the, the, those wintry-themed layouts were very popular, you know, and perhaps it's something that can be a regular thing every year. You know, start thinking, listeners. What are you going yeah. to do for December this year? I think that'd be a good tradition to start with it. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that, looking forward to the spring issue. And uh, right now, getting into wintertime, this is traditionally the uh, model railroader season. So, Ian, you got any project updates for us this month? Well, funny you should say that. Uh, 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 you know, we've been discussing this year's micro layout challenge for the, uh, for the, for the Facebook page. And uh, I thought it would be a good idea to find out if what I was suggesting worked in other scales. So, uh, yeah, there's a, could be a new project or two in the pipeline that, of course, I can't discuss until we release the details of the challenge in March. Yeah. Uh, also, through the winter issue of the dispatch, I made contact with another modeler who works with the linear motor teeny trains that, that you know, those that I have running under the Christmas tree model. So yes. uh, as a result, I've had been given some pointers on getting uh, a Polar Express train to run on that little layout ready for next Christmas. Oh, that sounds great. That's neat. Yeah, nothing for me currently on any kind of projects. I uh, I do have uh, an in-scale micro that I have in the planning phase. I've got some um, outlines drawn on my uh, baseboard, and I'm real close to putting the baseboard together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's going to have to be on hold for a few weeks. I've got to take care of a few uh, non-model railway projects. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the old saying, but I'm going to do a little play on it. All play and no work makes Jack unemployed. <laughs> so if if I don't do my work, I will be unemployed. So I've got to, <laughs> I've got to, I got to make sure I do my work there first, and then I can get back to playing with trains. So hopefully that won't be, <laughs> that won't be too long. And at this point, we're going to turn it over to our discussion this month and in our January uh, episode of the podcast, and we're going to be discussing tuning fork layouts. Ian's going to start us off uh, talking about this. So, Ian, uh, take it away. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, I I had a very successful stint at the uh, recent Granite City train show operating a a tuning fork layout in in the shape of my uh, Holt Challenge model. So I thought it would be a 
a good topic for discussion this month. Yeah, I think the tuning fork is a pretty simple track plan. One track divides into two. Yeah, I'm not going to say two sidings because it's how you treat those tracks that can affect how you operate the layout. You could indeed treat it as two sidings, you know, a goods in and a goods out arrangement. For example, one siding would have empty wagons in and loaded wagons out and the other siding would have have the reverse. Yeah. Another choice would be to have one line as the main line and with a uh, with a single siding. This doesn't sound like it has much promise, but uh, if I can give you a few examples that are local to me here in Minnesota that have tuning fork arrangements, perhaps you will see things a little differently. Leicester Prairie, Minnesota is a small village of less than 2000 people uh, out here on the prairie. Well, I'm going to say out here on the prairie got prairie in the name so i think it's pretty obvious where it is but um it's a small village of like 2000 people and it used to have a railroad that runs run through it you know it had a few grain elevators in its days and they were served by sidings and it may well have been a bustling place back in its heydays but at the west end of town there's a small agricultural distributor that used to be served by a single siding the rails are still there, even though the last train ran about 20 years ago and the old track bed now is a, a wonderful trail that I run and cycle on regularly. But even this small distributors has three possible spots for cars on its siding. There's a spot to load a hopper complete with uh, a waybridge. There's a team track spot for general loading and unloading. And then at the end of the siding, there's an ammonia tank because ammonia is used for fertilizers. So, so, so you've got three spots on this uh, on this one siding, and it's a siding that's a single-ended siding. It's a siding that can only be worked from one direction. So, that could provide some interesting switching problems. I mean, if you want to get the ammonia car out, and there's a car on the team track spot. Well, you mean you've got to move the car on the team track spot out before you can get the ammonia car. So uh, there's this sometimes can be a little bit of thinking involved. So, uh, another hey, Ian, ex yeah. And before you go on to your next segment there, what railroad company used to operate there in Lesser Prairie? Uh, with Burlington Northern. Okay. All right. And it was about 20 years ago that they abandoned and pulled that all out? Uh... Probably about then, yeah. I can, I can remember this line. I didn't live out here 23 right. years ago, but mm -hmm. 23 years ago, there was trains running on this line. So, so uh, yeah. Have you about, been able uh, to find any photos of anything from uh, any of the trains running in the area? Has it been kind of hard to find any information on that? I have been looking and looking, you know, because I'm a big collector of historical things about the towns that I I live in and uh, yeah I've been trying to find photographs and uh, and such like but uh, I have not much has come to light which is rather okay. sad but uh, well the reason why I ask that is because you know as we plan things and especially even tuning fork layouts I mean there's many examples of that on the railroads finding that uh, prototype information and, and old photos and things like that it just it goes a long way to mm -hmm. helping with uh, even something as small uh, as a micro layout done as a tuning fork. So yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. continue on, sir. Another example here in Minnesota that uh, I knew is in, in St. Cloud, Minnesota. It's a, a printer's that I used to pass 
quite regularly when I was living a bit further north up in uh, Princeton, Minnesota. There was a company called Quebec Corps, Quebec as in the Canadian city. So it's Quebec Corps. I mean, coincidentally, this company used to print railroad model craftsmen. As a printers, there would be cars loaded with paper coming in. And, you know, there'd be cars with the finished magazines going out. It was a long plant, this building was. And this single siding had four or five spots on it. There was like warehouse doors set in the wall that your box cars would be loaded or, or unloaded against. There was plenty of spots for cars to be assigned. I actually watched a Northern Lines locomotive work a short train there once. And this picture's on my old ihomes.com website of a, a locomotive working this siding at, uh, at Quebec Corps. So it's... Um, We'll pop the link to those on the uh, blog page. For, Absolutely. For, yeah. So, uh, yeah, because I mean, it's, yeah, the tuning fork, it's a very popular prototype arrangement. Well, I've just mentioned two close to me. From my desk at work, I know where there's three others. I can walk to three other locations with tuning fork arrangements in like five minutes. It really is a very typical and a very easy arrangement to like um to build and operate you know i found when i was working my model at the my layout at the at the train show it was very easy to get into a nice relaxing rhythm with it you would drive the locomotive up you'd stop the locomotive you would uncouple the locomotive from the train then you would like drive forward and reverse into the siding to pick up the uh the wagon that was to be collected and then you would go through the motions of swapping it out and it was such a nice relaxing simple backwards and forwards motion that actually just like switching one car in and out of that siding was a, a really relaxing thing to do you know and but i mean if you are pushed for space in the house i mean my whole challenge layout that was like 26 inches by five inches and you know that's the easiest thing to put on a kitchen table maybe even a coffee table you know and just like if you want to just relax you can just like switch a car in and out you get this nice relaxing rhythm going it was it really was it's i really really enjoyed that tuning fork layout i mean it's it's downstairs in the basement you know and i will may take it out to the granite city train show in april or i may i may build another one using the on30 stock that i've got you know it's just a nice relaxing thing to do you know the thing i have found in several different websites and and some of the other discussion boards that I've gone to. This is probably more true with American modelers than it is maybe necessarily with UK modelers or European modelers, is uh, many dismiss the tuning fork as as limited and a boring premise for a layout. Uh, I've heard that. Uh, I've had people uh, say that about my uh, Wetterow Food Services micro layout at a train show is, oh, it's just a switching layout. And, you know, I guess... uh, you know, when you look at my Wetterob Food Services, 
it is in a sense it's operated as a tuning fork layout i guess in the purest sense it's not since i do have a passing track to facilitate shunting cars on it but uh, one of the things that i have is the main portion of that layout is i have a uh, grocery store warehouse and it's got three doors and you have to spot cars and what i try to do with it is i actually have specific items um, that have to go to each door um, Sometimes I can run it like dry goods door one, dry goods door two, and then refrigerated or cooler items or cold storage items in door three. But when you have refrigerator cars in your train and you have, you know, paper goods cards, and then you got like, you know, box cars with canned goods and things that are coming to the grocery distributor, you know, there's a challenge with that. And of course, mm -hmm. having the, the siding there to be able to get behind cars and, and get around it. Uh, but basically, it's really you're operating off of the siding and then into the spur track that leads to the warehouse track. That's, in essence, a tuning fork. It's just those two tracks mm -hmm. that you're using. It, you can only be switched one way. It's it's just a single, it's a dead-end spur. So you have to go in a certain switch to be able to put them there. And then you got to make sure you get the right cars spotted to each of the doors and it surprisingly can take you a while. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, if you're operating at scale speeds and you're trying to do it and give time for, you know, uh, I've got the little road crossing and, you know, you got to flag the crossing before you go across and do all that. Um, you know, I can operate switching that out. It can take 20, 30 minutes on just a little tuning fork uh, into a warehouse track. And it's prototypical. It's based on a real location. It's the exact same track arrangement that is yep. right here, just about five, six blocks from my house. And that's one of the things that I do like about the tuning fork layouts is that they are prototypical. Mm -hmm. And in the future, I'm going to be building one uh, on a micro that's actually based on a prototype location. But that's going to have to wait till later this year. So no more information on that. So mm -hmm. till later this year. So we'll... But be on the lookout for that probably towards the end of the year before I can get to that one. I've got a couple mm -hmm. other projects I want to get to first before I get to that one. But I do have a prototype one that I'm going to build. I'm still doing a little research on it uh -huh. and uh, want to see if I can get to it. Hopefully I'll get to it this year, but I'm thinking about towards the end of the year. Are you have me intrigued there? Uh -huh. I should have to keep an eye out on you. I should have to be watching what you're doing. Something that uh, I was just thinking about. Yeah, we say it's a simple idea, but you can actually... Even for a simple idea, you can torture it and, and convolute it and come up with new ways of a, approaching the problem. Because I was thinking, Carl Arendt's square foot estate railway. It's basically a tuning fork. It's just that he has a sector plate to work the sidings instead of having a point, a yep. switch, a turnout. He has a single track in the fiddle yard. And then they had the sector plate, which fed two sidings. There you go. It was basically a tuning fork. And it's a great space saver when you mm -hmm. use a sector plate because you don't have to try to cram a turnout in there. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. I mean, it's not always the simplest idea. Yeah. So, yeah, just think a bit more about how you can operate and how you can run those two different sidings and of course google maps is a great way to uh, resource satellite imagery mm -hmm. and you can find lots of great examples in real life i love going into like uh, since i live in missouri in the greater st louis area i like going into the st louis area and some of the areas where 
It may be hard to get into with a vehicle, but I can get to it from satellite and you can see perfectly these examples of what would be good candidates for tuning for micro layouts. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that the uh, micro model railway dispatch is free and uh, you can subscribe and put your name on the mailing list by sending an email to me and that's mmrdeditor at gmail.com Recently I've been working on my one foot by eight foot layout and I wanted to share with our listeners a tool that came in really handy for layout scenery work and I've actually had it for a few years now and this will work on any layout regardless of size where it will work excellent with micro layouts but it's made by Woodland Scenics. It's a handheld vacuum they sell. And I have found that it's one of my indispensable tools while I'm applying static grass. The suction is not really that strong, but this is actually perfect for picking up loose static grass after you apply it. Uh, I don't know about all you, but when I uh, apply static grass, I'll put down a glue mixture uh, where I want the static grass to go. And of course, the static grass, as you're applying it with uh, the little strainer I have, it goes everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. But with this little vacuum, it's great because what I do then is I go around and I suck up all that loose, uh, like along the track. Uh, I'll get that up and it'll hold it up in there and you, you leave it running. Then I just go back over to my container that I keep my static grass in, just turn it off and it falls down the tube right back into the tray. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm able to salvage that that's on the layout and it picks up pretty good with the static grass. It's actually perfect for it because then what I do is after I do that, static grass that's applied in the glue area, I'll actually go back with that vacuum and that'll help to uh, pull up the static grass as vertical as possible. Mm -hmm. Any uh, of those fibers that didn't quite take, it sucks those back up. And I don't necessarily get any of the static grass coming back with glue on it because it's not that strong of a suction. So I'm not sucking up wet static grass. And I have found it to be really good because static grass is not cheap, uh, but it will go a long way. I had one little bag from Knock that I bought back in 2011. I just used it up. I built four layouts with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Most of them were micros, but my last layout I used quite a bit on there. When I bought that, it was about $11. I just bought another bag of that. It's up to almost $15. So see how those prices keep going up. <laughs> so it went a long way. And this vacuum is is really, really good. It's about $25 U.S. retail. I don't think that's bad for, the, uh, for what you get with it. I only use it, though, for the static grass. And sometimes I'll use it for the scenic foam and things like that because uh, one word of caution I have is do not use it on very fine material. They supply these little plastic vacuum screens. Uh, with, and the problem with those little screens is, is that even the smallest one, uh, small particles will pass through them, and that'll damage the unit for sure. Uh, so I would not recommend it for vacuuming things like plaster, dirt, unsanded grout, or any other powdery substance. I tried that one time with some unsanded grout, and I knew I, I could hear it right away. I shut it off. I didn't burn it out or anything, but but it started to gum it up. So I just tapped it out real good, cleaned it. And I thought, no, I'm going to strictly use it for that. But it works good for any kind of scenery material with that. And it's uh, in any light dust. So I highly recommend it. Hmm. 
Cool. I shall bear that one in mind. Well, I was hoping that I might be able to uh, report on some new tools that I'd received for Christmas, but somehow Santa didn't bring any model railway tools for me this Christmas, so nothing to report on there. But uh, I do have a bit of feedback following on from the uh, last podcast because uh, I received an email from a new subscriber to the dispatch and uh, Following on from our discussion on fascia colours, he mentioned that uh, noted modeller Lance Mindheim uh, paints his fascias olive drab green. And that's uh, that's another one of those, what's the best word, unremarkable colours, isn't it? Yep. As long as you've got a colour there that's like not trying to steal the limelight. And as long as you're using a a colour that melts into the background doesn't try to assert itself on the scene then i think if i know olive drab green is another good color the 2022 micro model railway cartel competition has been decided and we will reveal the subject in the march edition of the podcast and i'll back it up with we'll we'll print a full description of the uh, the competition in the spring edition of the dispatch as well and I'm going to let our listeners know, Ian is chomping at the bit for this one. He's very <laughs> highly motivated, and he's he's got something already in the works. So I know we've already been discussing this now. We actually started discussing this last month, and uh, we've been exchanging messages here lately on Facebook. And uh, I know he's he's gung-ho about this, so he's ready. I, I had to tell him we're going to wait till March. He was ready to start this thing right now. So, <laughs> But uh, it'll yeah. be coming out in March, and we just want to give everybody a little extra time. I know last year's competition started in uh, May, so that's why we're going to start it in March. And uh, speaking of last year's competition, I would like to go ahead at this time and announce the winner's of our 2021 Halt Station Square Foot Challenge that we had last year from May to November. And in first place, we have Derek Bolton. So congratulations to Derek on getting first place for that. He did an excellent job on his. And then in second place, I demand a recount, uh, (laughs) Ian Holmes. He has, uh, Ian's layout was in second place. And then we had a two-way tie Uh, For third place, we went ahead and basically what I did was we were going to take the top four and uh, the top vote getter would get first place. The second top vote getter would get second place. And then we would have a third and fourth place. And those would have been the second, third and fourth would have been our honorable mentions. But we did have a two-way tie between Chris Rennie and Ken Hutnick. So that's our third place winners. And we don't have a fourth place since we had a, uh, those two were tied in the votes for third place. So there's our winners. First place, Derek Bolton. Second place, Ian Holmes. Third place, Chris Rennie and Ken Hutnick. So congratulations to Derek, Ian, Chris, and Ken. Yeah, Derek's was a, a great little model. You know, what really set that off for me was carrying the scenic work onto the layout frame with that stone wall. Yeah, that really set it off that really made you feel like you were peering over over a wall to see this train in the landscape so that was super that was a really great little model great idea i mean chris rennie's entry deserved a medal for sheer creativity and audacity you know a double deck layout for pete's sake and and all built with a with his own 3d printer yeah, yeah very cool I, 
Yeah, mm. I, I didn't stand a chance against that. I mean, I can't understand why anybody voted for my effort at all. You know, what, no, uh, don't sell yourself <laughs> short. You had a you had a good one. As a matter of fact, I posted it on the uh, the cartel blog page, the not the uh, podcast one, but our our old original Micro Model Railroad Cartel blog. And uh, it's been a good response on there. I mean, uh, a lot of views on it. So, Ian, it it, it was um, did catch a lot of people's attention. So uh, don't sell yourself short uh, <laughs> with that. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, all of them did. And I like, really like Ken's also with his mm-hmm. uh, little streetcar line and and uh, in the winter scene. So everything yeah. turned out. And, of course, everybody who entered, uh, yeah. uh, thank you for entering because uh, everybody did a, a great job on it. And uh, so I, I was real pleased. We had, I think it was, uh, was it eight entries or was it nine entries, Ian? Do you remember off the top of your head? Eight, eight I believe. I think it was eight, yeah. yeah. Eight, yeah. eight yeah. great entries, yes. It really was heartening to see everybody, like, getting into the spirit of it. Absolutely. And hopefully as we reveal this year's challenge and we get into that, uh, we hopefully we'll grow on that. And we'll have a few more entries this year and uh, looking forward to seeing what everybody comes up with. And we'll announce that coming up in uh, March as we roll out that uh, contest for 2022. Any final thoughts, Ian? No, uh, not really. Just wish our listeners a, a happy new year, you know, and uh, get out there and get building micros. Absolutely. Happy New Year's, everybody. And that's going to do it for episode 22. If you're on Facebook, be sure to join the Micromodel Railroad Cartel group. It's a private group, so you're going to have to make a membership request, and please answer all three questions provided for group membership. And you can also send us your questions and comments by sending an email to microcartel at AOL.com. Show links can also be found at our blog page, and you can find that at microcartel.blogspot.com. For Ian and myself, we would wish you a great day, happy new year, and happy modeling. (laughs) 